0: what is up people and welcome back to another edition of the lucrative mma betting podcast my name is james blissett professional sports better and founder of lucrative mma which is my handicapping service where i help people make money from betting on mma and today i'm gonna try and help you make some money from this pfl championship 2022 card big card biggest night in mma as the pfl likes to say obviously we know that's not really the case but It's definitely the richest night in MMA, which is something the PFL also like to say because they give out $1 million to any winner of their tournament. And I think they've got like four, five, or even six tournament finales this weekend. So they're going to be giving out four, five, or $6 million. I'm going to break down the full card for you. We got 12 fights on this card. I'm going to break down every single fight. going to go into detail on the specific matchups. I'm going to try and help you make some money from this card. As always, if you want all of my picks, my official betting tips, just go to the links in bio. But we'll break this card down. Thanks, everyone, for being here. We've got a few people um, in the chat already. So if you are in the chat, please say hello. This can be an interactive um, live stream. You know, Sometimes I like to get the fights just done quickly. And sometimes I like to go back and forth with the chat. I'm feeling like we can go back and forth with a chat today, you know, I like, like some engagement. So if you've got any questions about anything I say or anything about sports betting in general, please let me know. You know, I wasn't going to do any more breakdowns, any more full card breakdowns anyway. I did say that last time out, and I said, if you do want me to continue doing the full card breakdowns, please comment. And I got about 20 comments from people on YouTube Everybody's saying they want me to continue doing the full card breakdowns. I got a lot of DMs, people saying they want me to continue doing full card breakdowns. And a lot of people liking the comments on YouTube as well. So I'm still undecided. You know, they're getting a bit boring for me now, you know, to be completely honest. Um, I started doing these breakdowns for these UFC, these MMA Bellator matchups, like over three, about three years ago now. And, um, you know, at the time, not many people were doing them. So it was quite exciting. It was quite new for me. But I'm getting kind of bored of doing the same thing every single week. There's so many people out there on YouTube now um, putting out full card breakdowns. I feel like it's getting a little bit monotonous. Um, There's so much content out there now. And I've started to put out more gambling related content, not only MMA related content, not only breaking down this fight. This is who's going to win this fight this weekend, but also putting out content to help you be a better sports better from someone who's been in the industry for 10 years, over 10 years myself. There's a lot of fake content out there. There's a lot of content people know how to break down a fight, right? But there's not a lot of content people know how to break down gambling and how to actually gamble long term, right? Not over six months or one year, but actually long term. So I've started to put out a lot of content around that now because I like to be innovative, right? That's the type of person I am. As I said, when I first came on the scene, there wasn't that many people doing MMA breakdowns, but now there is. And so now I can see there's not that many people doing gambling breakdowns. So that's the kind of content I'm moving to. That's the kind of content that gives me a a bit of fire at the moment because I know a lot of people need to be educated on that subject. And I feel like in the next 6 to 12 months, um, a lot of people in this space are probably going to start putting out that type of content as well. Uh, They'll be following my lead. And just as what's happened with the mma breakdowns everybody's doing it now i think in six to 12 months we'll see a lot more gambling related content right but that remains to be seen but i'm going to be one of the pioneers of that so i say all that to say this um that's just a little update on how i'm thinking of things going forward but i'm not completely gonna stop the full card breakdowns i don't i'm still on the fence is what i'm saying whether i'm gonna do them or not right i'm still on the fence and um good thing about today is that i feel like doing one today uh, so i'm going to do one today so all this P- all the pfl fights i'm going to break them down i don't know if i'm going to continue doing this in the future but definitely i'm going to continue doing it today so without further ado let's get into it um the first fight of the night the first fight of the night is an amateur fight now i was extremely surprised to see this um i was especially surprised to see this amateur fight on the card like i don't really know what they're doing or well, you've got a Biagio Ali Walsh versus Tom Gracia. So I've ne- obviously never heard of these guys before. One is 1-1-0 one, one and, and one is 0-0. O o. So I uh, yeah, I don't really know who these guys are. It says they're amateur, but we've got um w- we've got better odds for them. So you know, there are certain cases where you get better odds for amateur fights, um but usually you don't, but we are getting better odds for this fight. Look, one fight is 0-0. There's no footage out there of him. And one fight is 1-1. and 1. There's also no footage out there of him. I couldn't find those fights. I have asked one of my colleagues to find these fights for me because I have someone who can find obscure fights. I have two people that I know in the team that can secure like fights like this. So I'm hoping that he gets back to me with them. But I can't give you a breakdown on this. On, on this fight because I, I know nothing of the fighters, and there's no tape on him. So even if I get back this um, these two fights from the guy who's one one and zero, one on one, right? Um, I'm probably still not even gonna bet on it, right? But I will say that one fighter is minus three hundred and sixty, and that's the guy who's one and one. So if he just looks absolutely horrible, and I do some digging into this. This his opponent, Tom Gracia, and I see some I don't know some BJJ footage or some Muay Thai fights that he's had or something. Maybe you know I'll take a shot on like the plus three hundred underdog. But honestly, most likely not going to. um Most likely not going to play this at all. uh Someone is saying that this is Muhammad Ali's grandson, brother. i got no idea uh, if this is Muhammad Ali's grandson. That's that's absolutely legendary. And actually. Um, you know what? I did hear something about that, actually. Now you now you say it. I remember hearing something about Muhammad Ali's grandson before. I had no idea that this was the guy. But anyway, uh, I'm not going to spend any time on this fight, obviously, because this is just a ridiculous, um, ridiculous fight. If anything, you take the underdog um, because they're both basically terrible. But we'll see what tape tells me. So the second fight and I'm glad we're doing these two fights first because we can get them the fuck out of the way and get onto the actual real fights right that we can actually make some confident money on. So the next fight is Dakota DeChaver who's 6 and 0 and she's fighting Catherine Korogonis all right who's 2 and 0. Now, this Catherine has no fights online that I could find. I could find one fight of hers online. It's not even listed on Tapology. It was like a Muay Thai event where they fought MMA rules. I think it might have only been MMA rules for the first round, but she got a submission in the first round anyway. It's not listed on typology or anything. There's no, absolutely no footage of her online except for that one I could find. And then our our opponent, there's a lot of footage of her and I've watched her and she looks like a decent fighter. She's 6-0 and she's 4-0 amateur. So she's 10-0 career wide, but... She's a minus 400 favorite and I don't know anything about our opponents. So again, I cannot break this fight down. Um, it is what it is. If I get some, if I get the fights of Catherine Caraganes, which is she's two and oh, if I get those two fights, then maybe I can make a play on this um, fight. But to be honest, even then, probably not just because she's only two and oh, she's probably improving. And, those fights are against O and O girls. So really, I can't come to much conclusion out of that. So who the fuck knows? Moving on. Now we can get into some actual breakdowns, right? Now we can get into some actual breakdowns. So we've got Magomed, Magomed Kerimov versus, versus T bar. So this is actually a good fight. T bar, the only man to defeat Khabib Namagomedov. So obviously he didn't defeat Khabib Namagomedov. I'm only joking there. Um, but... He actually was the only man to con- consistently defend Khabib's takedowns. Um, maybe I Aquinta did it too. I can't remember. I haven't watched that fight in a long time. But Khabib went like 0-10 on takedowns against this guy a long time ago. Gleason Tebar is an absolute beast. Um, he's been in the game for a long, long time. He's had over 50 professional fights. He was in the UFC for like 10 damn years Um literally i think he was in the ufc for like 10 years so the guy's an absolute legend maybe even over 10 years the guy's a legend he's fought everybody he's fought kabim namagomedov and islam makachev the only person to fight them both um yeah he i mean he's fought everyone he's fought michael johnson he's fought trinaldo rafael dos Anjos, jim miller jeremy stevens Um, Nick Diaz, the guy's an absolute legend. I'm just looking at his record now. He's gone to the uh, PFL over recent years, and he's actually done pretty well in the PFL. He's 2-2 and at the PFL, um, and he's got one decision win of Rory McDonald, which was a massive win for him because he was like a plus 600 underdog. That was probably one of the robberies of the year. Um, I actually didn't go back and watch that fight for this specific matchup. But I remember when it happened, you know, there was a lot of outcry about it. And I remember taping it for another fight, I think one of Rory's fights. And, you know, he clearly lost that fight, but he got a split decision win. He kind of got his luck turned on him because he fought Jarrah Hussein Al-Salawi uh, last time out. And he lost the split decision there, but I felt like he won that fight, you know, fairly clearly. It was a close fight, though. So, you know, he got his, um, he got his luck taken back a little bit there. But look, basically, he's a solid fighter. He's um, not bad anywhere. He's good everywhere. He's got a decent chin. His cardio's pretty good. He's got decent wrestling. Uh, his wrestling, you know, takedown defense, his defensive wrestling is elite. Uh, one of the best in MMA today, honestly. I mean, the guy just doesn't get taken down, you know. I mean, who stuffs Khabib's takedowns? Nobody, right? So he stuffed Khabib's takedowns. And he actually took Khabib down once himself, right? So it was quite quite a feat back in the day, I think 2016 or something they fought. But even other than that, I mean, no one really takes this guy down consistently. Yeah. You might get him down, but you're not taking him down multiple times and you probably won't take him down, um, in the whole fight, to be honest. And that's going to be interesting here. Cause obviously his opponent, Magomed, Magomed Kerimov, he's a takedown artist. You know, he's one of those Dagestanis. Uh, he comes from Russia, uh, fighting out of that uh, Makachaka region or whatever it is. Someone going to cut this up and say Makachaka or whatever it is. It's like Machakala or something like that. I don't know. But he's fighting out of that region. And, you know, those guys, they got the shave head. We're actually um, – that's what Magamov Kerimov does, uh, has now. He's actually shaved his head now. So he's looking like a proper Dagestani. Shaved head, big beard, good wrestling. Um Good striking, stay on the outside. You know, the Dagestanis, what they know What they know to do very well is stay on the outside and limit the damage on the feet that they are taking, and then they explode into the takedowns, right? But Magomed, Magomed Karimov is actually up, upgrading his striking game quite a lot recently. You know, we saw that in his last fight against Delano Taylor. So he's basically a takedown artist. That's what he does, right? He takes fighters down. Um he, press, he pressures you, good striking, and he chain wrestles, you know, blast doubles, cage wrestling, single legs, body locks, suplexes. I've seen, I mean, it, the guy has it all in terms of takedowns. But in his last fight, he didn't shoot one takedown. You know, he kept it on the feet with a good strike up and ended up knocking him out on the feet. So that was an extremely impressive performance by Magomed Kerimov. You know, most people going into that fight thought that if he's going to win this fight, he's going to need takedowns, right? Or at least it will be close on the feet. It wasn't really close. Magomed Karimov kind of just dominated on the feet for most of the fight. And then he knocked the guy out, you know, Delano Taylor, who's actually fighting on this card. We'll get to him later. He knocked him out later in the fight. So he's uh, upgrading his striking game and his wrestling game's been there, you know, since he started MMA and it's always going to be there. So in this fight, it's going to be Gleason Tebow defending takedowns like he always does in every fight. No one's able to get him down. I don't really see Magomed Karimov taking him down. Now, I will say that Karimov is an extremely high-level grappler, an extremely high-level takedown artist. Of course, he can get takedowns on Gleason Tibau here, but Gleason Tibau is an elite defensive wrestler, like I already told you. So I'm not really convinced Magomed Karimov is going to take him down because also Karimov is smart. Karimov might try to take him down, realize that he can't. is a very strong guy and then just say, I'm just going to keep it on the feet with him. I think he's going to be winning the feet exchanges, so he probably won't even need to go for the takedowns, right? So if I'm saying that I'm not convinced it's going to go to the ground, then we look at, well, I'm not convinced that Karimov's going to take t down, right? So then we look at, is t going to take Karimov down? Not really. t will go for takedowns. He could get like a reactionary takedown or something, catch Karimov off guard, but I don't think Karimov's going to stay down. I don't think t going to have, be able to keep him down. Karimov will stand back up to his feet. And this fight, in my opinion, is going to be primarily a striking fight. So then we look at who's the better striker, who's going to win on the feet. I think Karimov is clearly the better striker, especially at this point in their career. I mean, T-Bow's an old dude now. You know, he's 39 years old. He's going to be 40 on his next birthday. Whereas Karimov is in his prime now, 32 years old. Coming off that loss to Ray Cooper uh, two times, two fights ago, that was for the tournament uh, championship. You know, he he lost that fight via knockout in the third round. And He's going to be motivated to win this fight, you know, because this is a big fight for him. This is obviously not the fight to win the tournament. So, you know, he he might not be as motivated, I don't know, because it's not for a million. But at the end of the day, he always shows up in shape. He's a professional I think he's going to show up in shape here. Gleason Bar is a decent fighter to have on your record. I think Magomed Karimov is going to win the striking exchanges and and win the fight. Is he going to win a decision or a knockout? I'm not 100% sure. Um, Tebow is pretty tough, so I expect him to stay there for most of the fight. But as we saw, Karimov is definitely leveling up up his striking game. He's always live for like a guillotine or something like that if he can just jump on the... um, jump on the neck of a, a, a rocked or club and sub maneuver, or even jump on the neck of bow when he's going in for a takedown or something like that. Cause I do think Bow will shoot a couple of times here just because he's going to be overwhelmed on the feet. Karimov is just, he's way faster. Um, he's got way better kicks. Uh, he's even more athletic and that. So I, I, I like Mega uh, Megamed Karimov here. He's minus 400 favorites. So, you know, the line agrees with me and I agree with the line. So I'm going to take Karimov there. I'm going to take him via decision. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised for it to be inside the distance. The next fight we have is Nathan Schulte versus Jeremy Stevens. Now, this is a big fall from grace Jeremy Stevens has had, right? Because obviously he was a mainstay in the UFC, but he lost like six in a row in the UFC, and they finally had to cut him. Uh, he He went to PFL and... He hasn't done well at PFL, you know. He lost his first fight against Clay Collard in a fight of the year candidate. That was an amazing fight. Them guys were just going back and forth. You know, both fighters could have been knocked out in that fight. I'm surprised, but I'm surprised it made it to decision. You know, whoever had the under there must be must be just <sighs> must have been extremely pissed off because I would have been if I had the under. But both fighters are very tough, you know. So that's that's always that's always a um, what's the word? Like it's always tough when you're betting on fighters who are tough for the fight to go under or the fight to end inside the distance because you're kind of banking on their toughness, not holding up. And oftentimes that doesn't happen even in slobber knockers, right? So you have to be careful with betting unders in, fu- in fights where fighters are extremely tough, even if you think it's going to be a high volume fight. You know, another one that comes to my mind, and this is a good thing to think of, you know, in terms of or good thing to add to your betting philosophy, because it's one of my betting philosophies. You know, when you think of someone like Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantilla, that fight, before it was announced, instantly like the thing that comes to your head is like, okay, under two and a half rounds. Fight ends inside the distance. Because both fighters are just insane pace fighters. They're going to walk forward, meet in the middle of the cage and swing, basically. And that's exactly what they did, right? But it doesn't always end in a finish. It's especially when fighters are extremely tough, right? And so Billy Quarantillo, Shane Burgess are very tough. And Jeremy Stephens and Clay Collard are very tough. And it actually brings me on to this fight because Jeremy Stephens, as I said, he's tough. And Nathan Schultz is like the epitome of toughness. Nathan Schultz is known as the Terminator. You know, he walks forward, he puts his high guard up, and he just basically walks through anything his opponents have. And... He doesn't get finished. You know, Nathan short, he gets caught clean because of the way he fights, but he doesn't get finished. Um, in his career, he's never been finished by strikes. He got arm once. So he's a very, very tough guy. Now I honestly, when I was watching tape for this, I was like, damn man, like this is going to be an absolute brawl. This is going to be a barroom brawl. Maybe I bet the under, but it's extremely hard for me just because I know how tough the fighters are. Now, no matter how tough you are, you will eventually get knocked out. That's just MMA. That's just the way MMA goes. Um, So you don't always avoid betting on tough fighters fights to end inside the distance, but it is something to think about, right? Especially if the price is not great. In this fight, I feel like Jeremy Stevens is going to be the one backing up, which is quite rare for a Jeremy Stevens fight. But it's not rare for a Nathan Schultz fight that his opponent's backing up, right? So I do see Nathan Schultz the one who's going to be pushing the pressure here, um, pushing his opponent back against the cage, not physically in the clinch range, but just with his pressure, just with his um, forward pressure. You know, his footwork. He's going to be walking forward, and Jeremy Stephens is going to be trying to land huge overhands and huge hooks and huge uppercuts. When Nathan Schultz's basically going to be not landing the huge shots, but just chipping away at him, jab, jab. Left hook, right hand, jab, jab, left hook, right hand. You know, just pressure, pressure, pressure. And he's going to try and break Jeremy Stevens. Have we seen Jeremy Stevens broken in MMA? Not really, man. We haven't really seen it happen. Obviously, he's been finished before. You know, it was a brutal knockout loss he take, took to Jose Aldo. But he hasn't really been broken. Even in fights that he seemed like he was going to get broken in, Clay Collard, he didn't. He pushed on. It went to decision. But then again, Clay Collar doesn't even have much fin- uh, doesn't have much finishing upside. But neither does Nathan Schultz because the dude goes to decision with most people, like most people on a decent level anyway. So it's going to be funny to see, or it's going to be interesting to see how this fight plays out because I do think Nathan Schultz is there to be hit. As I said, I do think Jeremy Steven hits very hard, and I do think that he's probably going to land with a few huge shots in this fight. But we saw Clay Collar take his shots. We saw Miles Price take his shots as like a plus 800 underdog last time out. So I do think that Nathan Schultz is going to be able to take his shots. Um, Jeremy Stevens is, is on the tail end of his career. He's 36 years old. Out of his last seven fights, I think he's six and one. And not only that, he went to a split decision as a minus 700 favorite in his last fight, fighting a guy who was 11 and eight, Miles Price. So he was expected to completely dominate that fight, but it went to split decision. I don't think it was a split. I don't think it should have been a split. I think he won rounds one and two pretty clearly. But at the end of the day, it was a close fight, especially that last round. He lost it. Um and the fight in general, you know, the minutes in general were fairly close. So that's a bad, bad look for Jeremy Stevens. <sighs> I can't get behind a Nathan Schultz bet because Nathan Schult at, at the moment is actually um minus four hundred which is kind of ridiculous because his style doesn't really lend itself to ever be in minus 400. So there's a few fighters who can warrant minus 400 price tags. That's these fighters who like, just don't ever get hit and they're fighting someone who's just not on their level striking. So someone like Ian Gary could probably be 80% against a lot of fighters just because he's got good range control. You know, even someone like, um, wonder boy Thompson, you know, not at this point in his career, but at one point, he could probably like cover minus 400. He, he could win a fight against someone eight times out of 10 just because of his range control. Another fighter who can cover minus 400, you know, st- another style of fighter who can cover 80% is, um, and minus a 400 is 80% in improbable pro- probability, if those of you don't know that. Um, another, another style of fighter that can cover that is a grappler, right? So someone like Khabib, someone like Islam Makachev, if they just continue grappling you, take you down, they could do that eight times out of ten if they fight right, but someone like Nathan Schultz, the way he fights, he never really should be a minus four hundred favorite, in my opinion. Right? It's it's very it's very rare that I'm going to agree with someone like Nathan Schultz being a minus four hundred favorite because basically he's going to walk forward, he's going to put his hands up in the high guard, and he's going to take shots. He might win the fight clearly, but he's going to take shots, and anytime you take a shot, one you're risking yourself getting knocked out. And two, you're taking damage, which can affect you later in the fight. And three, you're taking damage that affects you on the judges' scorecards, you know? So if you have someone that can just jab you and move around the octagon, like Olivia or Ben Merce did to him, you're always going to be in close fights, even if you deserve to win, right? And obviously in the OAM fight, he didn't deserve to win, but there's certain fights that he's probably been in that have been a lot closer than they should have been. Just because of his style, right? So in this fight against Jeremy Stevens, he's gonna give Jeremy Stevens the ample opportunity to land haymakers on him. I don't think anybody should be fighting in the pocket with Jeremy Stevens. Really? If you're talking about the optimal way to win a fight against Jeremy Stevens, it's probably not fighting in the pocket. So for that reason, I definitely can't get behind a Nathan Schultz bet. Um, in terms of backing Jeremy Stevens, I know he's a big plus money for uh, underdog, but it's just so hard at this stage of his career. I mean, he's clearly shown a decline. One thing I will say is that it used to be extremely tough and now he's showing signs of fatigue. Um, he, he, he's showing signs of his chin breaking down, in my opinion. I mean, it seemed like he got rocked, not, not really rocked, but it seemed like he got wobbled a couple of times in that Miles Price fight. Like he didn't react well to getting hit. In that Clay Collard fight, he got wobbled multiple times. I thought he could get finished. And in the two fights before that, he got finished by submission, and then Calvin Cater finished him. So I do think his chin's actually deteriorating a little bit. And if Nathan Schultz puts that pressure on, he could finish him, man. So Jeremy Stevens has won one fight in the last four or five years. And that fight was against an 11 and eight guy, Miles Price, who he went to a split decision with. Someone actually scored it for Miles Price. So, guys, it's very hard for me. To be betting Jeremy Stevens at this point in his career, no matter what price he is. But there is a price for everything. So if they give me plus one thousand on his money line, I probably would take it. But that's where I am, guys. I feel like Nathan Schultz is going to be able to do what Clay Collard did, you know, get in the pocket, win the pocket exchanges, be more durable, um, and out cardio Jeremy Stevens, you know, very similar to Clay Collard. I think Nathan Schultz is actually quite good in that pocket boxing range. He isn't as fast as Clay Collard, but he will shoot like uh one two shovel um you know shovel uppercut screw shot hook like fast combos in boxing range and then keep pressuring so look jeremy stevens is live for the knockout in this fight more than he has been recently just because of the way Nathan shot fights but i do expect Nathan shot to win i do expect Nathan shot to break him at a point um now if that break if that breaking is going to lead itself to a finish i don't really know um but yeah i'm definitely taking Nathan shot for the win here Next fight we have is Shaima Morais versus Marla Morais. Now Marla Morais actually was scheduled to fight Shane Burgos, um, but Shane Burgos got injured, so he had to pull out of that fight. And so I haven't actually done tape for this for this fight. Um, I began tape for the Burgos fight. That was actually a while back because I wanted to do early tape. I just wanted to see a few things. Um, was going to probably back Burgos KO there just because of, you know, Mariah's chin seems completely gone at this point. So I can't talk too much about this matchup. Um, but we've got the Marias versus the Marias. You just have to start any Marla Marias breakdown um, by saying that his chin looks completely gone. I really do think his chin is gone. Um, I think that he's probably going to succumb to another knockout here. He's obviously live to get a knockout in the first round in anybody in any fight against anyone he fights, even Peter Yarn, even um, who else? Uh, Aljamain Sterling. You know, I already did that. Who else is like phantom weight elite? Sean O'Malley. Now, um, yeah, he's obviously live to get a knockout against anyone, but I don't see it happening here. Although. I haven't taped Shayma Mariah's side, as I've just told you. So we're going to kick back. We're not going to speak too much about the Shayma Mariah side. But yeah, on the Magic Marla Mariah side, um, yeah, no chin at this point. Coming off four losses. I think he retired at one point as well, and now he's coming back to fight in PFL. Just extreme, extreme red flags for me here. Also, there's no odds out for this fight yet, so I haven't been super, you know, rushing to tape it um but we'll see when the odds come out we'll see if there's any angle that i want to play um i obviously would be looking at an under of some sort maybe even the one five i reckon they'll set it at one five bookies are pretty smart so i do think they'll set it at under 1.5 which is where it should be set at and i'll probably back the under in some capacity if the line is good enough like if they give me an evens on the under one five i probably will take it um but yeah, I'm going to need to take the of Mariah side and, you know, fully confirm my thoughts there. So the next fight we have is PFL. We got Omari Akmedov versus Rob Wilkinson. Now, this is the first fight of the night that happens to be a tournament championship fight, right? So these guys are fighting to be PFL champion. These guys are fighting for the $1 million. Now, shout out to M- Omari Akmedov because, you know, Omari Akmedov Medov was out there in the UFC fighting hard, hard fights. Like I remember his fight against Chris Weidman. He almost got finished in the third round. It was extremely tough. Then he fought Brad Tavares, another extremely tough fight. You know, they just slugged it out for three rounds, came down to a split decision. Um, He was fighting tough, tough fights, right? And then he went to um, PFL, got knocked out on his PFL debut by Jordan Young. Rest in peace, Jordan Young. Um, But after that, since that fight, and by the way, he was a minus 600 favorite in that fight, so... That was an easy fight on paper. And then since then, the guys had, you know, layups apart from his last fight, really. He fought Victor Pesta, who was actually an underdog in that fight. And I actually bet against him, which was an embarrassing bet when I look back at it, a very square bet. The reason I did that is because I saw him get knocked out uh, in his first fight ever at light heavyweight. And so I thought that, you know, his light heavyweight chin just wasn't. It wasn't there because this guy used to fight a welterweight. I know he's a big guy, but we have to remember he used to fight a welterweight. Then he fought a middleweight. Then he moved up to light heavyweight and he got brutally knocked out as a minus 700 favorite. So I thought, damn, Omari Akmedov, he can't take a shot at light heavyweight. Not, obviously, there was a few other things I saw, but in general, I thought this Victor Pesta dude looks like he hits hard. Maybe he's going to knock him out. That was a bad, bad bet for me because he got knocked out early. Omari Akmedov showed that he deserves to be at least at this level of competition even at light heavyweight then he got that todoris oscotulis whatever that guy's name is he's not a good fighter uh, minus 600 managed to choke him out and then he got an actual hard fight in PFL right well on paper he fought josh silveira who was a decent fighter 9 and 0 um it was a fairly close fight i mean no one ran away from it but he won um and he actually handed Josh his lo- his his first loss of his career. So, look, he's proven that he can fight a light heavyweight. I still don't trust Omari in general as a person. I still think his cardio is bad. And I still think he can start to wilt at times, um, especially up at light heavyweight. You know, the guys hit harder there. He's fighting Rob Wilkinson in this fight. And the thing about Rob Wilkinson is he looks extremely tough, but he used to fight in the UFC. Lost both his UFC fights, kind of brutally. Got knocked out both times. One was against Israel Adesanya, So We can't take too much from that. Um, but the other was against Siyar Badahou-Dazra. I don't know. Some dude that used to fight in the UFC, but he doesn't fight in the UFC anymore. Um, didn't stay in the UFC for that long. Or oh, to be honest, he stayed in the UFC for quite long. I'm just looking at his record now. Yeah, so he had like seven fights in the UFC, so that was quite a lot. Um, but yeah, he I think he retired like a few years ago. Anyway, he lost both fights uh, in the UFC, Rob Wilkinson did, which is Omari Akmenov's opponent. And he didn't look good in those fights, but that was at um, middleweight, right? He's actually moved up to light heavyweight now. And honestly, he looks like a completely different man. He's definitely been in, in eating his vegetables. He's been eating his broccoli. He's on some very very good vitamins you could just see the body transformation it's not just about moving up to light heavyweight he hasn't just gained 15 pounds from middleweight to light heavyweight gained 20 pounds and like now he's got tons of muscle his whole it looks like he's got more muscle but he's leaner at light heavyweight so he's 20 pounds heavier but leaner. So, I mean, the guy's taking his vitamins. He's an absolute monster. He hits like an absolute truck. He he He's a wrecking ball. He comes forward heavy in that first round and tries to put you away. He will engage in a pocket in a brawl. He's got a decent chin, it seems like, on these vitamins he's on and up at light heavyweight. It seems like his chin's better than what he used to be down at middleweight. From what I've seen, he just looks like a different fighter, man. He's got way more confidence than he used to have at middleweight. He's got way more power. As I said, he's way bigger. He's filled out the the 205 frame, you know, uh, extremely well. And he's a tough motherfucker to deal with, you know. He's only lost two fights, and they were both in the UFC back when he was at middleweight. This is a hard fight for Mario Medov, man, because Rob Wilkinson's going to come forward like an absolute truck and try and get him out there early. And we know a Mario Medov, he can be hurt. You know, he's been dropped multiple times. I remember he got dropped against Brad Tavares. Um I think it was someone else dropped him. I can't remember who, but he's been knocked out twice. That was in the third round because he, um, he got tired. And you have to remember, this is a five-round fight. So Omari Okmedov and someone's saying it in the chat, actually, Omari in five rounds and laughing face because Omari is not built to go five rounds. He gets tired in almost every three-round fight. So I don't see him going five rounds here. But what I will say is that Rob Wilkinson's cardio is also unknown. So we have to take that into account because he got knocked out in round two in his only two losses, right, against um, Adesanya and Sayar in the UFC. And since then, he has never gone past the six-minute mark in MMA. Ever. He's got all his finishes in round one except for one fight, which went into the forty-six second. Of round two. So we don't know how this guy's cardio is going to hold up after two rounds. We actually don't know how his cardio is going to hold up after six minutes. And by the way, as I said, the dude is 20 pounds heavier but leaner than he used to be at 185. He's on a lot of vitamins and he fights like a tornado early. All that tells me is that he's probably not going to have great cardio. Now, do I know? No. Can I be guaranteed he doesn't have good cardio? No. But just the way he's built, just from my experience betting on MMA, I'm going to lean more on the side that he actually doesn't have five-round cardio here. Now, we know for a fact that Omari doesn't, though. So that's where it gets tricky. Who's going to be more gassy? We don't really know. We know for a fact Omari is going to guess, you know during round three, Amari will start gassing. Doesn't mean he's going to get finished. Doesn't mean he can't go five rounds, but we know he's going to gas. On the other hand, we don't know if Wilkinson's going to gas, but we believe he probably will, but we don't know, right? So it's tough, man. The cardio dynamic is tough in this fight. I do think that Amari is going to be in trouble early, or at least in danger early. Because as I said, Wilkinson comes out like a battle, battle of hell and he tries to finish anyone in the first round. Um, the striking, I feel like Rob Wilkinson's a better striker. I actually do, but Omari has fought the much better strikers. So Omari's been in there with with, with loads of fighters in, in the UFC. Um, I know Rob Wilkinson's been in there with Adesanya, but I mean, that's like his lone good fighter that he's fought. Honestly, Omari's fought like five to the for five to ten really good fighters in his career. You know, through world weight to middle weight. So. Omari's got the clear experience advantage and the clear level of competition advantage. So it's hard to get a read, a true read on their striking. Because in my opinion, technically, it looks like Rob Wilkinson's better. But he's been fighting cans compared to Omari. So his striking might look better. It might not actually be better when they face off in the octagon just because Omari's been fighting better competition. His striking looks a little bit worse. Omari's not very good technically as a striker, like he doesn't look that good, but he's quite effective and he's actually decent at keeping out of harm's way. You know, we don't just see him constantly get caught cool, clean. Uh This is a tough one for me, man. I feel like I should be back in Omari at Medov here just because we got the concerns for Rob Wilkinson's cardio. We know Omari's got poor cardio, but we've got concerns on the Wilkinson side. So it's not like I want to back Omari against someone who's a clear cardio machine, then I wouldn't be doing it. But what I'm saying is, you know, it's only a bonus that Rob Wilkinson's cardio is a question mark. You know, it's not, it's not a negative if you want to back against um, Rob Wilkinson. Right. And then the striking, in my opinion, is going to be fairly close, especially once Omari gets some time, you know, the first two minutes, I think it's going to be dangerous. But after that, I think it's going to be close, and then the grappling again is pretty close. I mean, Rob Wilkinson has decent takedowns, um, but Omari has great takedowns, and Omari's been in there with the much better wrestlers. He took down Chris Weidman many, many times. Um, he's taken down everyone he's ever fought, really. And Rob Wilkinson has never fought a wrestler like Omari before. So, but I do think Rob Wilkinson can also get takedowns, right? So I think I feel like the the the, the striking could be the same you know like it could be a wash the grappling could be a wash and the cardio has the potential to be a wash but the level of competition is way higher for omari akmedov the experience is way more for omari akmedov i mean omari akmedov is a veteran of over 30 fights rob wilkinson he's 16 and 2 he's had 18 fights omari has double the fights of rob wilkinson here so I feel like, as I said, almost everything is a wash in this fight except for the level of competition and the danger factor. I think Rob Wilkinson is much more dangerous. I think he's much more live for a finish. I think if the finish comes from Omari, it's going to be second and third round, whereas I think Rob Wilkinson can finish any round. Um, but the thing is, Rob Wilkinson is minus 200 right now. So I'm leaning Omari Okmedov here um, even for a pure pick, I'm leaning Omari. And then for a bet, I'm obviously leaning Omari. So yeah, man, I'm going to go with Omari Medov here. But I, this is a big, big question mark fight. I don't know if I'm going to bet it yet just because do I really want to risk my um, money on Omari Medov in a fight where he has to go five rounds if he doesn't get a finish? The dude hardly finishes anyway. And so if Rob Wilkinson doesn't slow down, then... I don't know if I want my money on someone who has to go five rounds who's never, ever shown cardio to go five rounds before. But the big caveat, the big elephant in the room there is that Rob Wilkinson hasn't shown that either, right? So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'll pick up Mario Akmedov for the win here. And what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go on Twitter, and I'm just going to post that I'm live. So if anybody watching now has Twitter Probably most of you see me from Twitter. Um, if you do, follow my Twitter. If you don't, follow my Twitter. And just retweet my tweet now because I want – got 40 live viewers in here now, which is pretty solid um, considering I haven't done many streams lately as well. You know, the engagement always goes down loads when you're not that active on YouTube. And because I haven't been doing these fight breakdowns too much, I did one the other week, but I haven't been doing them. The engagement goes down. So to see 40 man in here, I really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Um, I'm just going to do a little tweet, letting everybody know we're on to the last five fights. And there's some good ones coming up now. Um, Just about to break down. Tournament champions, come on. Come on, lock in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I've just tweeted that out now. So hopefully we get some more people in here. Um, I'll just address the chat now because Alexander Velikanov posted quite a lot. And thanks for being in here, bro. I don't think I've seen you in it before, so shout out to you. So he's saying, what proof is there of Wilkinson's takedown defense? BJJ get ups, light heavyweight. or not? Omari has fantastic wrestling. I mean, he took down Chris Wildman, yeah, multiple times. Um, so there is some proof of Rob Wilkinson's takedown defense. Um, actually, he's quite strong. We saw in that Dylan Monte fight, uh, Monte had him in a clinch a couple of times, and you know, he was very strong in that clinch. Uh, I think Bruce Soto took him down once, but he instantly got straight back up. Um, it was either a scramble or some form of takedown. Um but he got straight back up straight away. So he showed his strength there. Um, Victor Pesta shot a takedown on him. I think it was actually Victor Pesta. It was either Victor Pesta or Bruno Sua? Victor Pesta definitely shot a takedown on him. Um, and he stuffed the to take down pretty well. But yeah, it's not proven at a high level. We have seen some of it. It is on tape, but yeah, it's not proven at a high level at all. So yeah, I agree there. He's saying Amari should not mess around too much on the feet, but Rob is ripe for the overhand. Yeah, he will. Um, I don't know if he will be terrified of the takedown. I mean, that's yet to be seen. Amari so, can certainly land that. Yeah, he definitely can. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Rob doesn't really justify such a steep price tag um, for the for the reasons I mentioned. You know, I, I, I do agree with you. I don't think he should be minus 200 here. Yeah, so we will carry on now. The next fight we have is Stevie Ray versus... No, we don't. The next fight we have is Delano Taylor versus Sadubu Say. This is a good fight. Um, Sadibou say has been kind of like a money train for me because he was a little bit underrated about four fights ago because his record was like eight and six, uh, or it was like um, yeah nine and five, and it's not a good record when you're fighting people like Magomed Kerimov, who's like thirty and five, you know. But he's actually proved a lot of doubt was wrong, and he's actually proved me right and won me a lot of money. I always back the overs in his fights because he's very good at taking no damage and also not giving out that much or at least not fight ending damage um so I've been back in overs in his fights for 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 many many years now and or at least for the last two years and I've also been back in his money line every now and then or him by decision I remember I cashed him as a decision massive decision it was like plus 350 or something against um Nikolai Alex Sarkin there so shout out for Shout out for him winning that decision for me there, but yeah, I like Sadabuse. he's a very good fighter. He's extremely long. He's extremely tall for the weight class. Uh, he's six foot three with an eighty inch reach. So I mean, that's an insane reach—eighty inch reach. He usually towers over his opponents, and he definitely has a longer reach than most of his opponents. He's from Sweden. A uh, massive tall guy. He's gonna throw that left body kick. Is absolutely beautiful. Um, that's his money shot. His left body kick is his money shot. He loves it. Um. Another great shot of his is the left high kick. So any left kick is extremely fast. He whips it in. The sound it makes is like a baseball bat hitting a wall. Um, It's extremely fast. He doesn't load up at all. It's non-telegraphic. And he hurts a lot of people like that. He actually got a knockout in one PFL fight like that. Other than that, um, he's got a good jab. He'll double up on the jab, triple up on the jab, uh, quadruple up on the jab, you know. I saw him land eight jabs in a row against Carlos Liao. Most of them actually didn't land, but he threw eight jabs in a row against Carlos Liao in his last fight and, and finished up with a right hand. Um actually he's he plays Southpaw so I think he was switched stance at that point. But um yeah, no, so it was No, no, no. He was in Southpaw when he did that and it was like eight jabs with the right hand and came back with the with the left straight. Uh look, he's a good fighter. He's good at um judging range you know he's very very good at judging range he doesn't fight well under pressure though so let me rephrase that he fights very well under pressure but his weakness is fighting under pressure right so let's say islam makachev's weakness is striking but he's a very good striker right um what else could we say like i mean i don't need to say it 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 proves it right there right your weakness can be the same thing you're good at because these guys are professional fighters. They're the best fighters in the entire world, right? So yes, Sadu say's weakness is fighting under pressure. But he's actually quite good at it. And one of the reasons is why he's quite good at it is because everybody tries to pressure him. So he has so much training, or at least live fight experience, fighting under pressure. Um, I feel like his opponent, Delano Taylor, is going to need to pressure him here. But honestly, I've watched a lot of Delano Taylor footage, man and the dude does not pressure he just doesn't do it he likes to fight on the outside a slow tepid kickboxing fight and every now and then throw huge hands so i don't really think i don't really think this is a good fight for delano taylor stylistically it's funny though cuz i feel like delano taylor is a very um talented guy and he's only young man He's only 25 years old. He's very, very young. So he's getting better and better. Sadi Boussey is 35 years old. So we've got a 10-year 10, 10 age disadvantage, if you want to call it that, for Sadi Boussey. You know, Sadi Boussey is 10 years older than him. And what do we see in MMA? When there's a 10-year age difference, seven times out of 10, whatever it is, it's, it's around that. It's around the 70%. The younger fighter wins but i don't think the younger fighter wins here i i do like Delano taylor he is a good fighter he's a bjj brown belt so if he can get Sadi say down he'll probably win the fight cuz Sadi say is a kickboxer by trade he's not very good on the fe- uh, he's not very good on the ground sorry and so if he does get taken down the prob- the round probably is over and Delano taylor can probably land some big ground and pound or if not get a submission um i will say saddibou say is Definitely cleaning up that part of his game. I played Sadu Busse over 1.5 rounds in a Magomed Karamov fight because I knew that even if he got taken down, he's probably going to be able to survive on bottom just because I saw his improvements in his BJJ. He showed extreme improvements in his BJJ. Because, you know, back in the day, he was getting finished from top position. I remember when he fought um, Glyko Frenka. He got finished from top position, ground and pound there. Um, Magomedov, you know, he got hurt from top position. Ray Cooper took him down and dominated him from top position. But, you know, in the last two, three years, he's really improved his takedown defense and also improved his ground defense. You know, when he's actually on the ground, he's improved it. So I do like Sadibu says as a fighter. I think he's very good. I actually like Delano Taylor as a prospect. You know, I think he's very good. I think it might be a bit too soon for him, though. I don't know whether he's shown me. I don't think he's shown me the intelligence to fight the game plan needed to beat Sadibusei. Not saying he can't do it. I feel like he may have the skills to do it. Um, Something else that comes to my mind when I think about this fight is the cardio. You know, Sadibusei has shown good cardio, but he has tired in in third rounds before. Actually, many times. You know, he tired in that Carlos Leal fight badly, but he won the third round, but he did tire in that fight. But Carlos Leal was pushing an insane pace. He also tired in a Glyco-Franco fight. He got finished in that fight. Um, he does get tired, you know. On the other hand, I haven't seen Delano Taylor get tired. I mean, not to the extent Sadibusé has. But the caveat to that one, unfortunately, there has to be a caveat, is that I haven't seen Delano Taylor face the type of adversity or be in the type of high-paced matchups that Sadibusé has been in. So I don't really know what to say about their cardio. Look, I think Sadi Say is probably going to win this fight. I think he's the deserved favorite. I think he probably wins it by decision. Although this is a five-round fight, so you also have, you also have to be, you know, a little bit extra careful when you're backing a fight to go to decision, or when you're picking a fight to go to decision if it's five rounds, because we know a lot of people can't stomach those fourth and fifth rounds. Those are the championship rounds for a reason. So, yeah, man, look, I won't speak about this fight too much more. I'm going to take Sadie Say for the win. Um, but it's a good fight, man. You know, I do actually like Delano Taylor as a prospect. I actually probably would be on Delano Taylor if I hadn't seen him get completely dominated by Magomed Karimov in his last fight on the feet, solely on the feet. You know, I actually was looking at Delano Taylor's footage and I didn't watch the Karimov fight straight away. I watched all of his other fights. Reason being is because I know Karimov is a really good grappler and I thought that he would be grappling Um Delano Taylor, and so I was watching the tape of Delano Taylor, and I was like, "Damn, man, this guy's like he's he's a decent fighter. He could pose some some obstacles for Sadou Busey." Then I watched the Karamov fight, right, and he just got he got knocked out bad, and he basically lost most, but he lost every minute of that fight, and it was it was on the feet for like eight minutes. So eight minutes of footage—that's like half a fight of footage on the feet versus Karamov, who's you know, comparable to Sadou Boussey on the feet Um, in terms of he's long, he throws a lot of kicks, he'll stay out of range, he'll, you know. If you look at Delano Taylor's record, there's no one that really emulates Sadie Boussey, but Karimov is probably the closest. You could maybe say Feraldo, but he's more of a, um, a boxer, and that was early on. And other than that, this Marcus Edwards guy, but... He's just a tank who throws spinning kicks and stuff. He's not really a Sadibusay guy. So Karamov is kind of the closest, one of the closest we'll get to a Sadibusay stylistic matchup for Delano Taylor. And he just got completely owned in that fight. So after I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be on Delano Taylor at all. Not that I was going to be on him anyway, but it just basically pushed me off him. Um, So yeah, the next fight we have, so I'm going to go with Sadibusay, man. I don't want to speak too much more about that fight. Sadibusay to win the fight. Uh the next fight we have is Steve Aray versus Olivier Aubin-Mercier. Um good fight. I think Olivier Aubin-Mercier is going to win. He probably covers his price tag, he's minus 400. It's a bit tricky when you get to minus 400 range, but I do think he is probably going to, you know, win the fight clearly 30-27 or something. He's got good power. I know he doesn't have a lot of um knockouts, but he has a decent amount of knockdowns. Uh he knocked down um who did he fight last time out? I can't remember, but he knocked him down twice. He's just a really, really good fighter, man. I really like Olivier Aubin-Mercier, man. I, I got a bit of a soft spot for him, you know. He he went, he lost his last three fights in the UFC and got cut. But in my opinion, he shouldn't have got cut. I mean, he definitely deserves to be there. I mean, he's he's definitely he's a high level fighter, man. He's probably top twenty. Um, he's probably like top twenty lightweight in the world, man. Maybe top twenty-five. Uh, he's a, he's a really, really good fighter, man. He stays on the outside. He's got good power. He's got great jiu-jitsu. Uh, good takedown defense. Uh, He's got really, really good range control, and he's an extremely smart fighter, and he's got his own takedown upside. So he's a really good fighter all around. Um, Stevie Ray, probably a little bit, I'm not going to say overvalue that all because he's like plus 300, but what I will say is that his last two fights was against Anthony Pettis. He won both of them, but Pettis is completely washed at this point in his career, so I don't take too much from that. Shout out to Stevie Ray for doing it, but I honestly don't. Yeah, I don't think that that was, you know, a great showing just because I do think Anthony Pettis is done. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this fight, you know, because I do think Olivier Urban Mercier is going to probably outclass him. I think he's a level above. I think he'll keep it on the feet. At at times, it might be close, but he'll be able to stop the takedowns. And I think he's going to win this fight. The next fight is Julia Bud versus Aspen Ladd. Guys, I don't have much to say about this fight. Aspen Ladd is coming in off. You know, a couple of poor performances in the UFC, a terrible performance against Norma Dumont, and then a bad performance against Raquel Pennant, where she didn't come alive till round three. Um, she got outlanded like 120 to 65 or something crazy in that Raquel Pennant fight. Um, she's a minus 250 favorite, and I don't really agree with it. I'm not going to back Julia Bud probably, because Julia Bud's like 40 years old. She's 39 years old, and, you know, but I just, Aspen Lad at minus 230 is just stupid. Like, the striking is probably close. Like, Julia Budd can definitely win a striking fight here. And then the grappling, yeah, she could probably take Julia Budd down, but Julia Budd can probably take her down as well. Um, Julia Budd's got more experience. I mean, I don't know, man. If you're backing Aspen Ladd at minus 250, you're a bit mad. I mean, Aspen Ladd may come out there and get one of her vintage performances because we know she's talented deep down somewhere. We saw what she did to Sajara Eubanks, but, you know, there was a, you know, Tonya Evans dominated her, but she ain't a good fighter. To be honest, I feel like her top game is really good, but other than that, she's kind of shit. So honestly, man, Julia Bud's price keep blowing out. I'll probably take a poke on Julia Bud just because I just don't agree with Aspen Ladd being minus 230 against almost anyone in MMA. Um, and Julia Bud has fought at a good level her most of her career without being in the UFC. So nothing to say about this fight, guys, except for Aspen Ladd shouldn't really be minus 220 against anyone. The next fight we have is Ante Delija versus Mateusz Scheffel. Now, Ante Delija is coming off a first-round finish of... Hennem Ferreira, which was actually a great win for him because, you know, Ferreira is meant to be this, you know, uh, futuristic champion or future champion. And, you know, just took him down and smashed him on the ground there. So that was a good win for him. And. He's been doing well, you know, re- well in his recent career. The only person to beat him recently has been Bruno Capeloza. You know, Bruno h- hitched like a truck. And uh, ironically, Mateo Scheffel, his opponent, actually beat Bruno Capeloza, which I still can't believe that happened. That was that crazy, um, crazy event where like uh, Scheffel ended up beating Capeloza and Clidson Abreu ended up beating Ferreira. I thought both were going to get knocked out clean within like the first minute or two. And they both ended up winning the decision. Um so yeah, this is another fight where I just feel like the 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 favorite is warranted. We actually saw these guys fight once before. Um it wasn't on the contender series. No, Sheffield did fight on the contender series against Mirzakarnov. But yeah, these guys fought before in the PFL and Anti Deleuze got a knockout in round two. He also knocked him down in round one and dominated him in the wrestling. Well, it didn't dominate in the wrestling, but he took him down more he took him down a couple of times. It might have been once. And he knocked him down in round one and knocked him out in round two. I don't think Sheffield has a good chin, despite what happened in the Kapalosa fight. I think Sheffield has a bad chin. I think Del- the Legia has that striking upside, probably. And I think the Legia has the um, wrestling upside. I think Deleger is definitely going to win this fight. Um, Anti Legia for the win and probably a knockout again. The next fight we have is Brendan Lofnane versus Bubba Jenkins. This is a good fight. This is a really, really good fight. I'm really excited for this one. Probably a little bit more excited just because we got Brendan Loughnane who's fighting from uh, England, Manchester. So, you know, so I always support my England boys a little bit more or a little bit more excited for this fight, should we say. Um, this is a good fight because Brendan Loughnane showed he's got good cardio. He's shown he can fight You know, a high-paced fight. He does get tired, though, in a lot of those high-paced fights. I mean, he always shows visi- visible signs of tiredness. And he always shows visible signs of wear as well because he's always got his nose bleeding or his eye cut open or something, which doesn't look good to the judges. But he's basically shown he can be in there with, you know, some of the best in the world. I mean, he fought Modliv Kavaliyev, got absolutely dominated in that fight. But other than that, he's been, never been dominated in his career. Um, he fought on the on the Contender series, and everyone was saying that he should have been signed because he f- built beat um, Bill Algeo, but. They didn't sign him. He's knocked out Shyamal uh, beat Chris Wade as a big plus 200 underdog in his last fight. He's a good fighter. He's got good takedown defense. Uh, he's got good cage wrestling in terms of defensive cage wrestling, you know, circle out, push you away. In this fight, I feel like Bubba Jenkins is obviously going to be doing what he does in every fight, which is shoot for the takedowns. Is he going to be able to get the takedowns? I think he will. Um, you would probably say no because... MMA math, right, would tell you no, because Bubba Jenkins fought Chris Wade and got cleanly out grappled, out wrestled by Chris Wade, which was actually a big, um, a big shock to a lot of people, especially in the wrestling community at the time, because Bubba Jenkins was thought to have an MMA wrestling advantage over Chris Wade. But it didn't happen in the MMA wrestling. Chris Wade dominated him in the wrestling, you know, and then Chris Wade took on Brennan Loughnane and couldn't get him down. I mean, I think he took him down once, but Brendan Loughnane kicked him off and got back up to his feet. And every other wrestling transition, Brendan Loughnane got the better of, was able to circle away and do damage on the feet. So Chris Wade dominated Bubba Jenkins in the wrestling. Chris Wade couldn't get Brendan Loughnane down. So that tells you that Bubba Jenkins shouldn't really be able to get Brendan Loughnane down. We do know that MMA math doesn't work though, but we do know that MMA math helps you in certain situations like this, right? But I'm actually going to go contrary to this. And I do think that Bubba Jenkins' style, MMA style wrestling, is going to ha- give Brendan Lofton more problems than Chris Wade did. Chris Wade was going for a lot of single legs. I think Bubba Jenkins does his best work on the double leg. And I think he's a bit stronger than Chris Wade in those positions. Now, he may not be as slick and he may not be as fast in the scrambling and he may not be as good as in the transitions and beating his opponent to the next position as Chris Wade. But in terms of pure physicality and strength, I do think he's better than Chris Wade at that. So for that reason, I do think he's going to have multiple opportunities to take Brendan Loftname down here, more than Chris Wade did. Look, I really think that Brendan Loftname has a good advantage on the feet. I think he's going to be more than prepared for this fight because he's fought many wrestlers in the PFL now. Tyler Diamond, Movly Kobalaev, Chris Wade, but I just have a feeling that Bubba Jenkins is going to be able to get the cut, uh, the takedowns here. But he's going to lose on the feet. So I think it's going to be a close fight. In terms of the line, I think it should be more close to a pick Um, But Brendan Lofnane has the upside because of what he showed in the Chris Wade fight was maybe a little bit of a level up in his defensive grappling, you know, potentially. And then... Bubba Jenkins obviously fought decent recently, but you know, had a poor show into Chris Wade. So look, this is a tough fight. Um because this is a five round fight. So that gives some other yeah, that gives that, that gives some another dynamic to the fight because to my knowledge, I don't think any of them have gone five rounds before. I think both of them get tired. So I don't really know who I give the cardio advantage to. Um, I'm just trying to look on their records see if anyone's been five rounds before. I, I've never seen it, so I don't think they have. Yeah, so I don't. Like, I might be wrong, but as I can see, I don't really think um, any of them have gone five rounds before. So I don't know who's gonna have the better cardio. We've got a few people in um, the chat. Shouting, shouting out now. So I really appreciate that. Alex is saying Wade is a brilliant anti-grappler, but fence has never been as good though. Yeah, exactly. Danny P saying I taped a look at Brendan, but his takedown defense looks a bit off. Not the best control from Baba. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm leaving at the moment. Baba cardio isn't great for five rounds yet. Exactly, but I don't know if Brendan Loftane's cardio is great for five rounds either. The one thing I will say is that I think Brendan Loftane, I think his cardio, I think he fights through cardio better than Baba. Maybe from what I've seen. You know, I don't, I don't I'm not going to say his cardio is better. I don't, th- I, I don't really know if he's got better cardio, but I think he fights for it better. We saw in the Bill Algio fight, we saw in a Tyler Dimer fight that he got really, really gassed out in those fights. But he's still arguably one round free, you know, so that was pretty solid showing from um, Brendan Lofnane there. So look, I'm probably going to, I'm going to take, um, I'm actually going to take Bubba Jenkins for the upset here. I know we have questions on his cardio, but I also don't think Brendan Loughnane's cardio is that great either. Uh, Bubba's an underdog here. If he keeps getting bet out because the price is actually moving to Brendan Loughnane, I'll probably take a shot on Bubba Jenkins. Um, I just want to take the guy who, in my opinion, has the grappling upside. I want to take the guy who definitely has the grappling upside, um, who probably will win the early rounds if 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 he fights smart and... I feel like Brendan Loughnane. I feel like if Bubba Jenkins fights smart, then Brendan Loughnane is going to have to come back to win the fight. So I'll take the guy as an underdog who who is going to win the early portion of the fight. Let's just put it that way. Um, The next fight we have is the main event. Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco. Look, we've seen this fight twice already. Um, I'm not going to say too much about this fight. You know, someone had the start of the chat. Let me just scroll up. Shout out to JD. He says, what's up, brother? Are you ready to see Larissa shock the world? No. I'm not ready and neither is Larissa because she's not winning this fight. Um, She's KO or bust here. I mean, we've seen this fight five, six, seven, eight. We've seen eight rounds of Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco. Uh, We don't need to see any more. They just have to make it just because... I mean, they have to make the fight just because Kayla Harrison and Larissa Pacheco both won all their fights uh, during the tournament. So they have to make this fight, but... This is fight this fight's gonna be exactly the same as, as we've seen before. Will Kayla Harrison get the finish this time? Maybe. She got she almost got the finish multiple times in both their fights. But Pacheco is a motherfucker on the ground in terms of defensive jiu-jitsu. She's very smart. She she knows how to stop damage. Um I will say that both of these fights have gone to decision. And currently goes to decision is priced at like plus two hundred or something. So you know where my money's gonna go. I'm gonna probably have to play a little bit of that. Um But it's five rounds. So what I would do if I was you is just wait till the overs come out. The over two and a half rounds, the over three and a half rounds, over one and a half, over four and a half. Try and get those alternate odds, uh, you know, alternate prop bets, which you will be able to get from multiple bookies, especially because this is PFL's biggest event of the year. More bookies will have those alternate totals. I would suggest, you know, looking at those because we did see in that. five round fight that in the fourth round, I think she was close to finishing in the fifth round Pacheco actually done pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think I'm probably going to, um, take Kayla Harrison to win this one. The takedowns are going to look to, to break it down stylistically. For those of you who haven't watched the first two fights, um, Kayla Harrison can get takedowns whenever she wants. She's taken Pacheco down probably like 10 times over the two fights now. Very, very easily she gets the takedowns. Pacheco almost never stuffed one of Kayla Harrison's takedowns. Um, She did a couple of times. She sprawled a couple of times, but she basically never did it. Um, Kayla Harrison is so much stronger than Pacheco. It isn't funny. Uh, And actually in the striking she minimizes damage extremely well, and she actually lands some strikes on her own. So Kayla Har- uh, Larissa Pacheco has a punches chance in this fight. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is what Grateful Do is saying. Pacheco only with a puncher's chance. That's all she has. Maybe she finishes with a punch. She's done it many, many times in her career. She's done it in her last four fights. She's got four first-round finishes. She's not getting it here. Um Kayla Harrison is not losing kayla harrison's gonna win this fight it could be inside the distance it could be by decision i don't know you don't know nobody knows kayla doesn't know pacheco doesn't know we will see this weekend so i'm taking kayla harrison for the win uh, i'll take a by decision again so that's it guys i broke down all the fights on this card except for the two first stupid fights um yeah thanks everybody for being here. as always i'm gonna lock in my bets my official bets. If you want all of my official bets for this card and all of the cards upcoming to the end of the year, you can sign up with me at lucrativemmabetting.com. Just click the links below if you want to sign up. Not much more to say though. As I said, I'm still on the fence between if I want to do these breakdowns or not. Uh, you know, continue to do these full card breakdowns. I do enjoy them every now and then, but they are also getting a little bit oversaturated and they are getting a little bit boring for me. But I really enjoy interacting with everyone in the chat, uh, interacting with you guys um, on Twitter. And that's why I'm doing it here. You know, the comments I got on my last YouTube video really swayed me to make this video because I was done. I didn't want to make any more YouTube videos, any breakdown videos, really. I wasn't really feeling it. But I saw like 20, 25 comments on my last YouTube video. Everyone saying, please continue doing the breakdowns and stuff. So I was reading those and I was like, you know what? I'm going to carry on. At least I'll do one more. So I don't know where I'm going to go with this, but there's definitely going to be more gambling content. I'm not going at all, but in terms of the full card breakdowns, who knows? I did put out some gambling content about a week ago. Um where I basically told you guys the ins and outs of how to be a professional sports bettor. I mean, I just answer questions in the chat, but there were some good questions there. People asked me how to stop being limited by the bookies or how to avoid your accounts being restricted by the bookies. I answered that question along with a bunch of other questions. So go and watch that. Um, I can't remember what the live stream was. It was something like how to be a professional sports bet or something like that. So go and watch that content. I'll be, they'll be out there with a lot more content. You know, a lot of people know how to break down a fight, but I think the most important thing in this game is actually know how to be a sports better, not how to break down a fight. So I will be back next week, probably maybe later on the week if I have some content to put out, but for now I'll see you on the next video. Please like and subscribe. Leave a comment if you want me to continue doing these breakdowns and good luck on your bets this weekend. I hope you cash.